Hi friends, my name is Todd Noren Hentz. I serve as pastor at Wadawi First United Methodist Church. I'd like to share with you our scripture passage for today. It's Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. The story of Jesus appears on the road to Emmaus. Hear these words. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a, a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted all the things to them about himself and all the scriptures. As they came near to the village which they were going, he walked ahead of them as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to share with you some reflections on this passage. Uh, I'll begin with a story. As I uh, came of age, baseball cards were all the rage. Like many other kids of my age, I was a collector and a trader. I was always especially attracted to the statistics on the back of the cards, and I, I love kind of simulating games based on the statistics on the back of the cards moving my cards around as if they were real players playing a game. Of course, on the front of the card was the image of the player, maybe a a headshot or an action shot of them crushing a baseball or making a diving catch. There was this one type of card. I don't know if they still are around or produced, uh, but these cards could capture just a little bit of action on a physical card. It had a sort of corrugated texture made of clear plastic that when you moved it slightly it would give the appearance of movement by showing two different images in quick succession perfect for the quick action of a swinging a baseball bat or the wind up of a pitch scene one and then scene two 
you when you only saw scene one, all you see is a still shot, perhaps a player in a batting stance. But as you tilt the car just a bit, as you transition to scene two, you see the full story, the bat hitting a ball, energy in motion, stuff happening. And that's where the excitement is. Similarly, in our scripture this morning, there are two basic scenes. One in which a couple of men were walking to a town called Emmaus, and Jesus comes alongside them and joins them in the conversation. They were talking about all the dramatic events that had happened, those same ones that we experience during Holy Week. Jesus seems to play dumb. What things? Cleopas politely says, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? Had this been in another place in Alabama, uh, instead of uh, on the road to Emmaus, I, I think Cleopas would have begun with, Bless your heart. Are you the only stranger in these parts who doesn't know these things? Cleopas goes on to paint the rest of the uh, first scene for Jesus. In this scene, we get not just the picture on the front of the card painted for us by Cleopas and his companion, but their understanding of it, which seemed to be one of disappointed hope. He said, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, end quote. Based on their understanding of scene one, they thought they knew what scene two should look like. And here they are. Jesus' body is gone and still... There was no redemption of Israel. That wasn't what they thought scene two should look like. Without directly revealing his identity, Jesus tries to explain to them the movement from scene one to scene two so they could see the whole picture of what God was up to. This was a classic case of information is not transformation. They may have cognitively understood what Jesus told them on that road, but still, they didn't get it. They understood his explanation of scene two, but they couldn't yet connect the two scenes, either because they had yet to let go of their own picture of scene two or because they could not yet connect scene one, the things that have taken place in Jerusalem in these days, with scene two, the culmination of what God was up to in the world, stated plainly in the books of Moses and the prophets by Jesus that day. At this point, to Cleopas and his companion, these were still two separate and unrelated stories, distinct from one another. What did one have to do with the other? One of my favorite movies is The Princess Bride. Perhaps you've seen it. The movie begins with a woman named Buttercup falling in love with a man named Westley, who was a quiet man, but would always say to his beloved Buttercup, as you wish. Well, he went away for some time and was assumed to be killed by pirates. Buttercup finds herself kidnapped, but a masked man rescues her from her kidnappers. Buttercup and the masked man, they don't seem to get along very well, and in a moment of frustration, she pushes him down the hill. And as the masked man tumbles down the hill, he screams, as you wish. Then, of course, her eyes are opened. She realized that this masked man who rescued her from her kidnappers was in fact her long-lost love, Wesley. He was alive after all. 
It was in those familiar words that she had heard time and time again that allowed her to see in a new way. She had, in fact, been looking and yearning for Wesley to come and save her. She said as much to the masked man before his true identity was revealed, but she was unable to see what was right in front of her. Towards the end of the first scene in our scripture this morning, Cleopas and Pal invite Jesus to stay with them. Jesus does, and when they sit down to bless the food, something very similar happened. They heard something that they had heard before that awakened them. He took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Wait just a second. Oh, we've heard that before. Perhaps it was when Jesus blessed the fishes and the loaves. Or maybe it was when he was celebrating his final Passover with the disciples. There are echoes in Luke's gospel. It was something very much like Wesley saying, As you wish. All of a sudden, they knew. Like Buttercup, they assumed the absence of the one they loved meant that he was dead. But now they know that not only does he live, but he is connected to another, even grander scene, the scene of God working in the world through creation, Moses, and the prophets. They got the connection. No longer were they separate stories, but they were connected. Scene one and scene two make sense together. And friends, this is where the excitement is. That's where the action is. That's where the gospel, the good news, where Easter is. The connection between seemingly cosmic events of the life, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is made known in something as simple and as ordinary as the breaking of bread with friends. It was of that simple and ordinary bread that Jesus said, This is my body. And of the wine, this is my blood. But right there is the action, the meaning between the scenes. Christ's Eucharistic presence, not only in Holy Communion, but indeed in all creation, which provides the connection between our scene, our story, to God's story. Have you ever purchased a photo frame and inside that frame is some kind of holder picture, a stock photograph of some happy child or couple or family? And they all seem wonderful. But we're emotionally unmoved by such a picture. It's just a single scene, unconnected with the reality of our life. At the same time, when we put a photo of someone we love inside it, or or even if we see the picture of someone we know, it brings the fullness of life to the surface. That's because this scene is connected with the prior scene. And we instantly know the significance. That is what the connections of scenes do. It gives significance. And there's no bigger scene than that of God's redemption of the world. And you're invited to connect your scene to that one. And the significance you'll find there is unending, can never be exhausted. In a word, it's eternal.
That's why it's never enough to simply recite Christian truths or mentally assent to Christian doctrines, to know the Bible stone cold, to recite the creed. This cannot remain just a scene in our lives. It has to be connected to something personal within and to the larger story of what God is doing in the world. Still more fullness comes into view as we find ourselves and those we're connected to that very same story, God's story. We're part of the action. God wants it to be so. That's why the body and blood are broken and given to us. It's why God's Spirit is given to us. It's why the disciples are sent out. As we take it and connect it to our lives, we begin to see the ordinary things around us being fused with deep meaning. Even in bread and wine, everyday things. For in that bread and wine, as well as so many other things infused with the presence of God, we hear as you wish. And we know this is the voice of God. We hear that self-sacrificing love of Jesus Christ broken for us, bled for us. We hear the deep love of God poured forth in creation, given to Moses at Sinai, proclaimed powerfully by the prophets, and all throughout the story of God and God's people, which is indeed all of us. And like Cleopas and friend, our eyes are opened, our hearts burn, and we recognize the connection of our lives to the life of God pulsating throughout all things. The good news, the gospel, the Easter, the very source of all love, connects us to God, to all people, and all things. Gracious God, let us listen for those divine words calling out for us. May our eyes be open to recognize you, and in that moment, you too will vanish from us. For now we will see you in all things. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.